We on? Ah, good. Thank you, everybody. Good to be here this morning. Devin, I'm going to try to get this going, so let me see. Yes, I get to control it on my phone, so that's fun. Will you guys just extend your hands towards me, and uh, we're going to pray. Holy Spirit, we love you. We think you are amazing and awesome. And not only can we not do this without you, we don't want to do this without you. We want you and, you, and we need you. So Lord, I pray you open me to share what you have, and I pray that you open the, the ears and the hearts of the people here to receive what you have. We, um, we're not just making room for you. You're everything. We bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, really good to teach. It's been a while since I've taught, so I'm really um, excited to hear what I have to say. <laughs> and um, I get to speak. We've been on this series um, about Sabbath um, for a few weeks now. And I just, I'm excited about this because I feel like what's going on in our world, in our, in our country right now with the revivals brewing up in different college campuses and that kind of thing, I feel like that, that Sabbath and rest is a way that this is going to be sustained. If we don't figure this piece out, revivals will burn, will burn out, right? And so I really feel like that this is, this is one side of what God has for us because I, I, think, I honestly think that God's will is not revival, it's vival. That we stay vived all of the time. We don't have to keep going back and reviving all the time. We stay at a place of pinnacle. And so uh, whatever that may look like, and there's an ebb and flow to that. So... Um, uh, I think three weeks ago, Steve Justice gave a great overview of the biblical uh, history of Sabbath and what Sabbath is. And if you haven't listened to that, I would highly recommend it to you to go back and take a look at that. And then the last two weeks, um, Aaron has kind of um, pressed into that a little more and kind of done some more practical applications of that. And most notably for me, anyways, is Aaron pointed out that the Sabbath is really... A blessing for us not a rule for us to follow it's a blessing that we actually it's a key to how God created us to function it's a way that he made us to, to live and it's it is a discipline but it's an invitation to live in a way that God made us to live um, we actually function better when we take a Sabbath we function better um, as we as we learn how to do the ebb and flow of rest so we've divided it um, as we talk about Sabbath. Last week, Aaron talked about the stop part of Sabbath. And he did a really good job. And part of it, he talked about how much he sucks at stopping. And you all listened so much better and enjoyed what he had to say because he was vulnerable. So I get to talk about rest this week. So I'm going to tell you how much I suck at resting. <laughs> and um, hopefully you'll listen to that really well and get a lot out of it. Um, I think Pastor Greg started uh, this a while back, and then Aaron's kind of caught on to it, so I'm going to jump on the, the bandwagon. I'm going to start with a joke here this morning, but this one's actually a good one. 
<laughs> yeah, I could stop right there. <laughs> um, I heard this on a podcast maybe even a, a year or so ago, but if so, if you heard it, don't interrupt me, please. I think I told it to the, the uh, Band of Brothers group, so these guys have heard it. So there was a, a couple that invited their pastor over for dinner one day, and um, the wife, um, as she's entertaining, she notices that the spoon's missing. And she says, everything goes fine, they have a nice day, and everything happens, you know, as it normally would, but the spoon is still missing. And the pastor leaves after the nice day and the meal, and she says to her husband, I think that pastor stole one of our spoons. And the husband's like, the pastor did not steal one of our spoons. That, that's, that is not what happened. And she's like, no, I, I think he did. And she can, like, hardly contain herself. She's getting frustrated. So months later, maybe nine, ten months later, maybe even a year later, they have the pastor over for dinner again. And she, um, she just... She's like, I know he stole our spoon. I have to confront him on this. He stole, our pastor stole our spoon. So finally, she can't contain herself any longer. And she says to the pastor, when you were here last time, did you steal our spoon? And the pastor says, no, I hid it in your Bible. <laughs> there are things hidden in our word that we don't know until we get there. And I think Sabbath is one of those things. It's been there the whole time. We just haven't dug into it. And there are a lot of things that are like that. Um, let me tell you about my journey of rest. A, a few years ago, I was preaching from this pulpit, this stage, and I mentioned that I was working on rest. And at that time, I'm not, um, I'm not usually a galvanizer. Mike knows what I'm talking about. I'm not usually one who leads the charge. I'm really one who's good at supporting the charge. And so I didn't expect a lot of people to follow me into the rest thing. And so I started doing it. I started trying to rest, and it was a really lame effort at rest. What I basically did is I drive, I drive Uber when I'm not pastoring and, and when I have other time. And what I decided to do that I was going to, to take Saturdays off from Ubering, and that was my method of rest. And it was a really lame effort at rest, because what I would do with it, i just fill it with other things that needed done around the house. And I, you know, I, I said I was resting, but I wasn't really resting. I was just finding other things to, to fill my time. And eventually that faded away, and I kind of like, this isn't really accomplished anything. I'd rather just have more money. And so I kind of went back to driving Uber again, and everybody else forgot about rest. I tried it, and I felt like it didn't work. And then all of a sudden, everybody decides, oh, we need to start resting. This is a good idea. Well, I was there a while ago, guys, and you didn't come with me. And it didn't work. So I'm going to tell you why it didn't work for me, and I'm going to tell you what I'm changing, what I'm doing now. Let me tell you a few things, and if you want to get the, the harsh details of, of what Sabbath rest really looks like, go back and listen to Steve Justice's explanation. But I'm going to give you a few points that I feel like are important to me to draw out of that. 
First of all, biblical rest is done unto the Lord. This is not just you taking a break from working. Okay? This isn't just you entertaining yourself. Biblical rest actually means I am stopping unto the Lord. And if you leave the unto the Lord part out of your rest, you're not Sabbathing. You're doing something else. It could be a good thing, but it's not part of the ebb and flow of how God created us to be. That's, that's a big part of what Sabbath is. The second thing I want to draw out is biblical rest, biblical Sabbath requires faith. And why do I say that? Well, it's not, it's not just an excuse to be lazy. Biblical rest actually requires us to believe in God that we're going to get the things done that we need to in six days instead of seven. That he will give us the wisdom and the resources and the supernatural power to do all of that. And so it's more than um, just distracting yourself. It's actually an invitation into drawing into the Lord. I think of it this way. A lot of us, when we rest, we, we just, we're just finding ways to distract ourselves from the world. And so maybe we watch movies, and I don't, that's not bad. You can do that on your Sabbath. Um, maybe you play video games. Maybe you do other things, you know, read books or whatever that you distract yourself. The problem is it's not necessarily drawing you into a connection or closeness with God. Sabbath, to me, in some ways is like a honeymoon with the Lord. Okay, so if I went on my honeymoon and Angie and I got separate rooms and we, we played video games the whole honeymoon, you'd think there was something wrong with that honeymoon. I'm like, well, we're relaxing. We're resting. Yeah, but this is a honeymoon. There should be some other things going on, if you know what I mean. And so part of Sabbath is like your anniversary with the Lord. It's like you're coming back and drawing back into your need, your connection for him. Okay? Um. The other thing that I want to mention is biblical Sabbath is part of a cycle. It refreshes us so that we can go back to work. So we take that one day off, and the goal actually is that we come out of that feeling better so that we go into our work week, the rest of the days, feeling refreshed. I put it this way, we rest from work so that we can rest in work. Does that make sense? I want to, I'm not just distracting myself from a hard week so that I have go back and be miserable for the rest of the week. I'm actually coming at this place that I'm connecting to the Lord in this time, and when I go back into my week, I'm refreshed and rejuvenated, and I'm feeling like I have the resources to actually live well in this time that I'm not on the Sabbath day of rest. And I come at it from a place of peace. Here's what it says in Scripture um, from the Ten Commandments. And this is Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. I want to point this out. This is, um, this is the commandments God gave to Moses. Verse 8, Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, 
But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female slave, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day, therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. You're not as likely to benefit from the Sabbath if you don't work the other six days. If you don't do some kind of work the other six days. Excuse me. Sabbath reminds us that we can't do anything without him. But the other six days remind us that he doesn't want to do things without us. Okay? And so it's not just a matter of I'm going to sit back and Sabbath my whole life away because God will do everything for me. He actually wants you to co-labor and participate. But in the midst of that, he does not want you to forget that he's where your source is. So you take a day off and recognize, God, you, you, I have to have you for this one. I have to have you to take care of this one. Let me show you uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. I love this one. Steve Justice actually quoted it during worship this morning. It says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is comfortable and my burden is light. Now, if you were here when Steve taught, he talked about what a yoke is. And basically, they would pair oxen together, and you'd have the young oxen with the more seasoned oxen, and it would teach, the, the older one would teach the younger one how to do the work. And Jesus is ba basically saying, come and be yoked next to me in life. Let me walk with me. Let me show you how to do life. I want to point out a couple of things about this. Jesus did not say that there is no burden at all. He just said with him, there, the burden is easy. So there's still work to do. He didn't say there's no yoke. There's, there are still things to be done, things to be accomplished. And so I want to say some of us may need to stop figuring out how to rest from work and start figuring out how to rest in work. Many people, and it's, I mean, it's, we say it's the culture today, but it's always been the culture. Many, many people spend a lot of their lives trying to figure out how, to not, how not to work. And that's not what Sabbath is about. That's not what we're going after here. We're going after how do, we, how do we partner with God so that we, when we're in work, the yoke is easy, the burden is light. The fourth thing I want to mention about Sabbath, and I believe this, is the people closest to you should benefit from you taking a Sabbath. If your family's suffering because you took a Sabbath, there's something you need to adjust. Okay, so you're not doing this just, just, just to be selfish. 
this should actually benefit people around you. The people closest to you should be better. Now, you may need to learn to draw some boundaries around people who are not as close to you because you're trying to manage your time better. But the people in your closest inner circle should be better off. They should benefit because you're taking a Sabbath. So, those are the important things that I'm drawing out for this sermon today. There's a lot more to Sabbath, and go back and listen to the other teachings. That's the things that I want you to remember. But I want to think about for a little bit, um, we know God has called us to Sabbath, to rest. You could debate that a little bit, but I think most of us recognize God is saying, on some level, you need to figure out how to rest. On some level, that's important. Even God decided to rest on the seventh day, and he continues to, to be in that rest. So if we know that we should, and I think Steve and Aaron gave us a lot of reasons why it's a good idea to, that not just that we should, but it actually benefits us. What keeps us from doing it? Well, I don't know about you, but I can tell you some reasons that I fight against it. And maybe you can relate to me. Maybe some of these things are things that you've gone through yourself. The first thing that I find when I try to rest, that I come up against, is fear. Fear is a big one. Will I have enough time if I take that day off? Will I make enough money? I work Uber, so any time that I'm not working is time that I could have more money going into the bank. And so um, there's that fear. If, if I don't work for that one day, where, will there be enough? And like I said, it takes faith. I have to believe in faith that if I take some time to Sabbath, whatever that may look like, that God is going to provide for that. See, fear can protect you from some degree from physical poverty, but it will never lead you into prosperity of soul. What do I mean by that? My fear can drive me to work really hard, seven days a week, 80 hours a week, and that may be enough to keep me from going into poverty. I may, I may even be financially successful in the world's eyes, but I will be burnt out, I won't have anything to give. The people closest to me will not really have me anymore. They won't know me anymore because I've given myself to that work instead of giving myself to the Lord. Let me counteract that with 1 John 4, 18. Now, it seems like every time I teach, I put this one in there. So this is one of my favorites. You could probably start counting how many times I teach a sermon and I throw this scripture in there. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. If I am operating out of fear, if I am not doing a Sabbath, if I'm avoiding rest because of fear, it's because I'm not experiencing love. I'm not opening myself, I'm not trusting to experience love. More on that in a minute. But there's another thing that I find. Maybe I get over the fear. Maybe I've got enough money. I've got things taken care of. But there's another thing I found in me that keeps me from taking Sabbath. And that next one is greed. Maybe I'm not afraid. But like I said, the more I work, the more money I can make. 
And maybe I could make my life a little better. Maybe we'd have a little bit better vacation. Maybe I could provide a little better birthday presents. Maybe I could have a few extra things for myself if I just don't take that day off and I just keep working. It's not that I need to work more. It's just I want to work more because I want more money, because I want more stuff, because I feel like I need stuff to make me feel significant or to make other people around me feel more significant or to feel, feel better about myself. Colossians 3.5. I want you to listen to this list. Therefore, treat the parts of your earthly body as dead to sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Greed is idolatry, according to that, that verse. And why is it idolatry? Because I am putting other things as more important than God. I am putting, as mo the, the more money that I can make, the more time I can do that, as something that is going to be my provider, my security, my safety, my significance, as more, more important than where I am in Jesus. Anything that I want more to fill me other than Jesus is idolatry. Incidentally, this fear and greed thing I think is significant because it's kind of most of the time how our economy is run. If anybody's ever done anything with the stock market, fear and greed are what drives it most of the time. I, I want more, I'm really excited, so I'm going to try to find how much money I can get out of the stock market, which I don't mind you working on prosperity, but greed can cause you to do crazy things. I'll invest in stupid areas in the stock market. And then when things start crashing, I get scared, and so I start selling. I start selling everything off and, and, and run. If you can overcome fear and greed, you will probably be a pretty good master of the stock market. The wisdom of the ancient Israelites was they programmed in a natural crash to their stock market. They had what was called the 50-year jubilee. And what happened on the 50th year jubilee, so every seven years they would rest their fields and they'd have a Sabbath year. So you wouldn't farm those fields. We even do that, farmers do that now because you have to replenish the nutrients that are in the soil. So every seven years they would, they would have a Sabbath rest for the, the, the fields. But every 50th year, so you'd get to the 49th year, which would be a Sabbath year. Every 50th year, they'd have a Jubilee year. And in that year, what they would do is they would give back, anybody who was, was an indentured servant or a slave would get their freedom. So there was, a, there was a, a limit that you could be an indentured servant. 50 years was the limit. And anybody who acquired property that wasn't in their family line, that property went back to the original owner. So you couldn't get too greedy. And you couldn't have too much fear because you knew the, the property was coming back. There was a natural crash to the stock market that you already knew was coming every 50 years. So you, you couldn't be as motivated by greed and fear. And that's, the, that's part of the wisdom, I think, of the Sabbath is, is, is the Jubilee year. So fear and greed are two things. There's one other thing that I noticed in me, and maybe you can relate, and that is pride. I don't want people to think I'm lazy if I take a day off. I feel really good. My identity actually comes from me working really hard. I grew up in a German family, German heritage. Not they, they, We didn't speak German or anything like it, but, but my ancestors were German. 
and I'd hear stories about how my grandfather would get up early during the depression and wait to get in line early so he could sell um, grain and corn so he could so he'd be the first in line and they worked hard and that was the value of the family which is a good value I, I, I don't demean that we should work hard in fact taking a Sabbath should allow us to work harder the other six days but at the time especially like when you're looking around like the time of Jesus the Roman world there wasn't like a necessarily programmed in day off so when the Jews took a Sabbath it was like are you guys being lazy why are you not working today and it, it took an act of faith for them to do that it made them stand out and so let me give you a, a, a scripture about pride this is uh, James uh, chapter 4, verse 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And they're quoting Proverbs 3.34. I want more grace. And so I don't want to operate in pride. I actually want to be humble enough to admit I need, I need God seven days a week but I'm going to, to allow this one day to help me remember that I have to rely on him every day. So what do we do about this? We know several areas that keep us from, from doing the Sabbath. What if this, these are things that I have done if you would like to this is just still an invitation you don't have to do the Sabbath I will, we will not check off a list we will not go to door to door we're not asking people if you're doing it or not we trust God is speaking to you but if you're choosing to do this here are some things to help you deal with fear, pride uh, greed those kinds of things first of all give it to God Give those things, give that fear, that pride, that greed, just, just take it and say, God, I know I have this in me. Let me give that to you. What will you do with it? Don't try to work really hard to get rid of your fear. You can't do it on your own. Go to him and say, God, I have this fear. Let me give it to you. Let me hand that over to you. Secondly, Figure out what you need to adjust. If your schedule is so busy that you can't take any time off, you need to come to terms and admit there's something broken here. There's something that needs to shift. I either need to figure out how to make more money in the same time that I work right now, or I need to figure out how to fill in time that I'm wasting. Something has to shift. Something has to change. Let the Lord, take that to the Lord and let him show you. If you work seven days a week to keep up with your lifestyle, there's something wrong with your lifestyle. You're either overspend or you under-earn or both. And so something needs to shift. Thirdly, let God love you. Just let him love you. There's no fear in love, and that will help you deal with a lot of that. It's just... Just go to him and let God love, love you. 
that's a part of what I try to do on this Sabbath is just let God love you. Just realize, just spend some time recognizing He loves you. With all of your junk, He loves you still. As much as you might struggle to do the Sabbath, He loves you still. As much as you maybe decide, I don't want to do the Sabbath, He loves you still. Just let Him love you. Let Him. Don't fight it. Just let Him love you. Fourth thing, do it even if you're afraid or greedy or prideful. Just do it. Do it anyhow. Sometimes I, I disqualify myself because I'm ready. I'm trying to get myself all ready and all set up, and, and I can find every excuse because I'm just I'm too proud to take a Sabbath right now. Well, do it anyways. Do it with bad motives. Do it selfishly. Just do it. Trust him. Give it to him and say, God, I am not completely pure in the way I'm doing this, but you are. And so I'm going to get the focus off of me and where I fall short, and I'm going to let you take this and, and mold it into something really good. I'm just going to trust you to do something with it. I may do this completely imperfect. I'll tell you, when I, I mentioned it a couple years ago, when I tried to start resting, God still honored that. Even though I did it really poorly, I would, I would make as much money in, in the time that, that I was resting as, as when I did when I was working through it. He still honored it. I was not a good example of how to do it. It didn't seem to bother him, though. He seemed to be okay with that. He, he would still honor that. So let me just tell you, don't try to get this all figured out and how to do it perfectly. Just trust him and, and go for it. Just do it. Fifth, live thankful. This will help you with a lot of the greed. Like, be thankful. I know, you know, a lot of us have really hard things that we're going through in life. There's always something that you can, you can focus on. But if you will live thankful, it's harder to worry. It's harder to live in fear. It's harder to be greedy if you're thankful. It's harder to be prideful if you're thankful. Live thankful. Think of things that you can thank God for. You know, um, Lord, thank you. I have good hygiene. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Think we have hot water. A lot of the world does not, you know. We have a, a, a room full of wonderful God-loving people that we get to spend time with, you know? People get to come and, and complain to me about the political situations that they're in, and I can be a source of peace for them. Thank you, God. You know, there, there are a lot of things that, that we, if we will change, shift our, our focus a little bit, we can be thank you, thankful for. I've been listening to Steve Backlund quite a bit going back, because one of my words for this year was optimism that I wanted to work on. And he has, he, like, he's so optimistic it's annoying. And that's why I need to listen to it, because I get annoyed by it. I know it's triggering something that I need to hear. And um, he will say things like, you know, when you have something bad happen, let's say, you know, you, you go bankrupt. He'll say things like, Oh, I love it when I go bankrupt because God always shows up when I go bankrupt. <laughs> and that's optimism. 
that, but that's also putting a, a truth, putting value in a higher truth than what your situation is. Sixth, die to fear of rejection. Not everybody is going to understand your faith. You may take a day off, and there, if, if, if we're living in faith in this world, there will be people who say, why do you live that way? And so you may take a Sabbath, whatever that looks like for you, between you and the Lord, and there may be people, maybe even Christian people, say, what are you doing? Why are you taking that day when you could be doing this or doing this or something else? That just seems so strange to me. Die to fear of rejection. Because the only one that I really truly need acceptance from is him. And I need to recognize that if I really live like Jesus, there are going to be some people who either, at the very least, don't understand it. At the minimum, just don't understand it. And probably will hate it. One other thing that um, a challenge I found with rest um, is habit. So maybe I'm not fearful, greedy, or prideful. I'm just not in the habit of resting yet. I just haven't, like, it just doesn't feel natural. And to, what I felt like when I was talking to the Lord about that, he basically said, oh, so you're too lazy not to rest. Like, like I don't want to put the effort into figuring out how to rest, right? <laughs> and, and it's an invitation to change your habits, if you want to have a better life, you're going to have to go what feels the most normal and natural. You're going to have to go against that. Because there are habits that you have that you're always looking for what's the path of least resistance. What's the easiest way to go? That's, that's human nature. And so rest, for many of us, doesn't feel natural. And so I have to go against the grain. I have to go against it. For others, maybe rest is an easy thing. You have to figure out how to rest in your work. You have to figure out, how can I be good and restful as I'm going through my day? And actually, the other six days are the challenge for me. It's not that one day that's a challenge. That's six days that I'm always trying to think, when can I get my next day off? And so we need to learn how to, to rest in our work instead of resting, just resting from our work. Stephen Covey, um, in The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, has this illustration that I found really helpful to help me figure out things that I really want to do. In this case, it's like rest. So this is not the Bible, so do not value it on the same level as the Bible, but I feel like it's wisdom, and I feel like it's, it's, it's godly wisdom. There are four quadrants of the things that we do in life. And so you have the on the left side, you have the things, the importance level of things, and on the top, you have the urgency level of things. Okay, so throughout life, we have things that are urgent and important, okay? My child's hair is on fire. That is urgent and important, right? I do not want to delay taking care of that, but I do want to minimize the times that I have of those kinds of things, okay? Urgent but not important. I just got a text message, and I want to answer it so bad because I just don't want to be thinking about I have to do something about that. Okay, it feels urgent, but it's really not that important. I could probably skip that text message, and, and my life would probably go on and be fine. <clears throat> not urgent, not important. Those are the time wasters. 
those are the things that, you know, I'm scrolling through um, Facebook or I'm scrolling through, worse, I, I don't even enjoy Facebook, but YouTube would be harder for me. I, I, I tap on something and there's an entertaining video and then it has more videos that are similar underneath that. And before you know it, you have blown so much time just because not urgent, not important, drew your attention away. Those are the things that we really want to minimize. The most important things are the things that are not urgent, but important. Because those are the things that if you are not intentional, you will avoid them. If you want to write a book, you put it in that quadrant because it's not urgent. But if it's important to you, you have to be intentional to make time for that. If you want to Sabbath, I will tell you in my life, that is one of those things. It doesn't feel urgent. There's no pressure on me that I have to do a Sabbath. But it's important. And so if it's important to me, I have to be intentional to make that happen. I have to figure out how am I going to structure my life to make sure that those kinds of things happen. And so what I will want to do is I will, I will take the, I will try to minimize the urgent important things, but if they're there, they're there. If my life has too many of those things, I need to adjust my, my life. If it's both urgent and important, I'm living burnout. So I need to figure out what can I adjust to, to have fewer things that are both urgent and important. And then where do I create space for that quadrant two of things that are not urgent but very important to me? And that's how you live a fulfilled life is you, you start by making space. You look at your week. When can I fit time in for those things first? And then pretty soon, the things that are on, on the bottom three and four quadrants you don't have as much time for those things. And that's the right order, because you don't want to waste your life on the bottom two things. There's one more reason that you may not want to do a Sabbath, and um, this is the only good reason. God's not working on that with you right now. And if he's speaking to you about something else, great, go after that. Do not waste your time going after something God is not calling you to deal with. And so, you know, do not feel pressure from, from this stage, from this leadership, that you have to do a Sabbath. Quite the opposite. It should be a joy. It should be something that, that, that is, is made for you. But if, you, if, you're not, if God's not working you, not speaking to you about rest right now, listen to what he is speaking to you about and do that. I will mention too, if you haven't rested in a long time, it's very possible if you do, it could reveal some pain that you've been de dealing with that you haven't taken time to look at. So be ready for that that you may realize, you know, I've been going after these things and they don't even bring me joy. And if that's the case, don't avoid the rest, but allow God to, to, to help you make a plan to deal with that pain as well. He wants you to, to walk through it. He wants to see you through to the other side of the pain. So, I recently, um, I head up our Sozo team here and if you don't know what Sozo is, we would definitely invite you to come in and, and have a Sozo session. It's usually a, a couple of hours, and, and several of us sit down, and we help you learn 
um, how to hear God better, ask questions of him. And then what he will do is he will help you identify some lies you've been believing in your life. And then he'll bring in truth to help you heal those lies. And we help you hear him. We don't tell you what God is saying. We help you hear what he's saying. It sinks in a lot deeper if you hear it from him. Then I could tell you truth, and you know it's truth up here, but when God says it to you, it kind of sinks in a lot deeper. So one of the things that recently I, I've told our Sozo team is, you know what, I need another Sozo. I'm heading up the team, but I actually need my own again. And so um, uh, this past week or so, um, I, I sat the team down, and I said, all right, sozo me. I'm ready. And it was a very interesting thing what God showed me. Um, he took me back. To, now, he doesn't always take you back to your past, but, but for me, he did this time. He took me back to when I was a little kid in probably first grade. And they had what's called stations. I don't even know if they still do this today, but there'd be like 12 things and like maybe you write your name in cursive was step one and then on the next one you um, draw a square or something and you go down each station and that's kind of your your activities for that day well I remembered as a kid just freezing and all the other kids would get through most of maybe they get to step 10 at best and I would be like step two the whole day and I would just zone out And I was, it was like I was avoiding work, but I wasn't resting. And what God showed me, Jesus came along in the memory as, as they facilitate through it. And what God showed me was I was so afraid of performing that I just kind of disengaged and it didn't help me to actually, I didn't, one, I didn't get anything done. And two, I didn't even get any peace in it. I felt terrible about myself. And so Jesus came into this memory, and he stepped beside me, and he helped me do each step of the 12. And it felt so easy. It was like this place of rest that I could actually work with him through rest in this childhood memory. And I felt the freedom that not only could I rest, but I could also work. That I wasn't just trying to, to find times not to work. I was actually finding rest with him as I work because there was no pressure or judgment as I walked through that now wherever you might be I believe that today God wants to invite you into a place of rest that may be adopting Sabbath that may just be saying you know what God I'm tired and I need you to come and give me that easy yoke that, that light burden so let's go ahead I, I want, we're going to um, invite a musician to come up and I want you guys to stand up now, please. I want you to hold your hands out like you're giving something up to Jesus. And in your mind, ask him if there's anything you need to give him. I talked about fear, I talked about greed, I talked about pride, I talked about habits. But it could be something else. Ask him if there's something that he wants for you to give him. And when he shows that to you, just in your mind, let that leave your hands.
let him take it from you. And then once he's done that, ask him what he will give you in exchange for that. What will he give you back? And now you may get a, an, an image in your head. You may get a thought pass through your mind. You may get a feeling. You may just know this, this is what he wants me to have instead of that. Whatever it is, grab that. Take that. That is for you. Grab it. Put it in your heart. Lord, in Jesus' name, we bless what you're doing. We thank you, Jesus. We break off old habits, old lies. We enter into the rest that you have provided for us. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Now I want to call our prayer teams to come up. If you don't know who Jesus is, I want to invite you to the best rest of all. That he wants you to, to, to live a life that you can rest in him. Or if you're just kind of stuck, you're like, I know I need to rest, but I'm just feeling stuck for maybe one of the reasons I mentioned, maybe other reasons. I want to invite you to come up and let some of our prayer team pray with you and break this off and just partner with you in going after God. Thank you guys for putting up with the time to listen to me. I bless all of you as you go, and I pray that as you, as you walk in rest, you will work in rest as you leave. Bless you guys in Jesus' name.